Is CJ Stroud already one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league? Also, was the James Harden trade the wrong decision for the Clippers? That and more on the Charlie Jacobs podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 7th, and week nine of the NFL is in the books. The NBA season is starting to pick up, and there's going to be a lot of days with a lot of games. Today, there's no games because it's election day. But other than that, there's yesterday there was a whole bunch of games going on. And it's a lot of fun, heavy basketball and football on on the same nights. Because last night's football game wasn't that great. But I just want to start it off this time by talking about Max Crosby. He is now in the three-sack club, and he's having a defensive player of the year type season. He's been dominant. If the Raiders were better than what they are, maybe they're going to end up playing better because of the whole coaching change after firing Josh McDaniels. But that still waits to be seen because the Raiders just beat a Giants team who lost their quarterback for the year with a torn ACL and potentially his Giants career. And also a Giants team that's just been beat up with so many injuries. And Max Crosby, even though he is playing very well, he is on a team that is underperforming and just not playing that well for the type of player he is. And yeah, he is dominant, but the team isn't that great. Next up, the Ravens. The Ravens have been so dominant. Lamar is playing like the MVP right now. I know last week I mentioned Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, or Christian McCaffrey. Tyreek had his worst game of the season. A.J. Brown didn't have a great game. And then Christian McCaffrey's on bye week. But Lamar Jackson is having such a great season. They're atop the AFC North. And that division has every single team right now would be in the playoffs. It's such a really close division. All teams in that division are very strong. The Ravens, though. They have the best pass rush in the league. Right now, Kyle Van Noy, Justin Matabuike, they're playing great. And this pass rush is really, really hard for opposing offenses to defend, even with great offensive lines. Also, they have the interception leader in the league right now, Geno Stone. Six interceptions. Kind of crazy. And the past over the past three weeks, they've played the Seahawks and the Lions, both at times where they were leading their divisions in the NFC. And they've been steamrolling them. With a combined score, the Ravens beat the Seahawks and Lions 75-9, to which is just crazy. The Ravens have been so dominant. They just had a rookie running back, Keaton Mitchell, who played great. He had a couple of huge explosive runs in that game. Gus Edwards is playing great. He's kind of playing like Jamal Williams, what Jamal Williams did last year. And the Ravens have just been dominating. And they look like the team to beat right now in the AFC. Next up. One of the biggest stories of the day, C.J. Stroud, 470 passing yards and five touchdowns. He had a very historic day. He has the most passing yards in a single game by a rookie, and it was ended by that game-winning drive, which really just put the icing on the cake. C.J. Stroud had such an amazing game, such an amazing comeback in that last minute with that drive and that touchdown to Tank Dell. He looks like one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He's playing at such an elite level. He's outperforming Bryce Young, who was taking a pick before him. And he's already tied for the most career passing touchdowns before throwing a second interception. And he's tied with that record with Patrick Mahomes. Very elite company. And also, another thing about the Texans. Big, big story. Dare Ogunbowale, running back, had to come in and kick for Kaimi Fairbairn because of an injury. And Ogunbowale made a 29-yard field goal in crunch time, and yes, the field goal, it didn't end up really mattering towards the end, but because the Bucks did go down and score, but still, that field goal 
was huge. It was a huge go-ahead field goal late in the game. And for a player that's not a kicker, it's really impressive to see. And it happens very rarely. The last time a non-quarterback attempted a field goal in a regular season game was back in 2012 with Wes Welker. It's that rare, and it's really impressive to see. I know C.J. Stroud had such an amazing day, but possibly an even bigger storyline was Josh Dobbs. He was traded from the Cardinals last Tuesday, and now he got put into a game after Jaron Hall went down with an injury early in the game. He doesn't know the offensive line. The offensive line doesn't know his cadence. He doesn't know the playbook. I know there was a lot of things where in the huddle, he was asking about the plays with Kevin O'Connor, and all of it is just mind-blowing that he went out there and he led them to a game-winning drive. He was traded from another team to a new team, didn't know the playbook, had to come in because of an injury, and won the game. He is the first player in NFL history to have three total touchdowns in back-to-back games while playing for different teams, and that's just such a crazy stat, and it makes sense why he'd be the first player, because it feels like something that isn't really normal. It isn't normal for a quarterback to get traded midseason, and then in back-to-back games, have three touchdowns. It's mind-boggling, and this week in the NFL, it was just so many crazy storylines. You had Stroud breaking records. You had Dobbs doing this. It's a lot. It's a lot going on, and it's really cool to watch, especially as a Giants fan, and the Giants are really struggling right now, but it's cool to see all this going around in the league because with CJ Stroud, it's a new generation of quarterbacks. Also, putting that out there, with the Vikings, they now, since they were 0-3, they've been 5-1, and and this includes the game with Josh Dobbs. And Josh Dobbs won them the game, which was really cool. Uh, moving on, this just happened. Will Levis was named as the official starting quarterback for the Titans moving forward. So Tannehill is benched. He's going to be a free agent after this year. But the Titans, moving forward, I don't think this year, but next year, the year after, they could be a very good team. I think if they upgrade offensive line and wide receivers in the draft and in free agency and also maybe some corners and defensive backs, if they could do all that and upgrade there, they could be a very, very good team because Levis, so far, has looked like he could be a capable starter in the NFL. Now... That's it for my NFL talk for now. I'm going to talk about basketball. Huge story in the NBA right now are the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're the only team who has beaten the Denver Nuggets. They're also the only team who has beaten the Boston Celtics. Anthony Edwards is playing at such a high level right now. He took what he did at the FIBA World Cup. He was playing great on that team. And in the NBA, he's doing the same thing. He is dominating on the court. Last night against the Celtics, I would say he looked like the best player on the court. And that is while sharing a court with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He looked unstoppable, and he's very, very good young player, and it's a very bright feature for the league with players like Anthony Edwards. Next up, the Los Angeles Clippers. With their first game having James Harden, they lost, and they lost to the Knicks. Yes, it was in New York, and yes, Harden hasn't played yet this season. So this whole narrative, it's very early, and we don't know if it's going to completely flip and that if they're going to actually be good. But the Clippers, they turned the ball over in that game 22 times. It is still very early, as I said. So it's really hard to say anything crazy like, oh, the Clippers are done. But 
from a one-game sample size, the trade does not look great. And yes, it is a huge, huge early take, but that is what I'm saying. Also, in the NBA, Jamal Murray. He's going to miss some time with a hamstring strain. I know Michael Malone, he said it's going to be more than just one or two games. He's going to be out for the foreseeable future. He'll probably be back at some point, hopefully in a couple of weeks. But not having Murray is huge for the defending champs. It also could be very huge for other teams in the West to take this opportunity of the Nuggets missing Jamal Murray to try to get better seeding for the playoffs. Because the Nuggets, if they miss Jamal Murray for a significant amount of time, there's a chance that they don't end up being the one seed because of the games they missed without him. But on the other hand, Jokic is still the best player in the league, and he still makes everyone better. He's such a team player, and all the players around him, he makes them better. He makes these players who wouldn't really have significant crazy roles on other teams have these roles where, like Christian Brown and Aaron Gordon, they have such significant roles on this team, and Jokic is one of the big reasons for that. And I still think they could be one of the best teams in the league, and I still think they are, even with Jamal Murray out. Also, in the NBA, another big story, a lot of people are talking about it, is the scoring machine himself, Cam Thomas. So far this season, Cam Thomas is averaging 28.7 points per game. And this is for a player who couldn't even get consistent playing time last season. Last night in the loss to Milwaukee, he had 45 points. He is a great first half scorer. And last year at times he showed flashes. And even with those flashes, he still didn't really get that many opportunities to show what he's capable of. But now he is getting the chance to showcase his scoring. And he's, a, he's up there with the top scorers in the league right now. And it's really impressive to see. It is his third season. This could be his breakout, and he could be a great player going forward, but maybe it's starting now, and it's crazy to see someone like this who couldn't even get consistent playing time last season drop this many points per game. I know it's very early, and I know a lot of things could change, but so far, that is one of the big stories. And now, going back to football, the Jacobs jugular of Week 9, and this one is not necessarily a player-related or team-related. This is coach-related. I think the Falcons need to fire Arthur Smith before the end of the season, and I think they should do it as soon as possible, maybe even this week. Arthur Smith is not a good coach. In both of his first two seasons, he ended a season 7-10. and 10. This season, so just from that, he has a losing record. And now, this season, in back-to-back weeks, so he lost to Will Levis in his first career start. Losing to a rookie quarterback in their first career start midway through a season is not a good thing. And then the week after, he lost to a quarterback who just got traded to the team. And he came into the game not knowing the plays. The offensive line in him didn't know each other's cadences. And they lost. They lost in dramatic fashion. The Vikings led a game-winning drive. For a coach... It's the coach's fault. It's not always the player's fault in that case. Because also, he's mismanaging his players. This comes from a football fan's perspective. Also, I know a lot of fantasy football players are very angry about his way of using his players. Especially people like B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. But he's not using his players to their full potential. Kyle Pitts was drafted 4th overall in 2021. Jonu Smith 
has been seeing more important opportunities, more red zone opportunities than Kyle Pitts, who was considered a couple years ago one of the best, if not the best, tight end prospect of all time. The Falcons drafted him, and they have not used him to what a lot of people and a lot of teams around the league think he should be used. Also, Bijan Robinson, this year he was drafted 8th overall. Arthur Smith is not using Bijan in big moments. Earlier today, I saw a tweet from Jason Moore on Twitter, and this is a list of players with more carries inside the 5-yard line than Bijan Robinson this season. This list, Tank Bigsby, Joshua Kelly, Andrew Beck, who is a fullback, Craig Reynolds, Roshan Johnson, Damian Harris, Devon Achan, who has missed significant amount of time with an injury, and James Cook, who Buffalo never uses in the red zone. Bijan Robinson was drafted 8th overall, and these players, these are just some of the players. There's obviously other running backs who may be better than Bijan who are getting used, but these players have had more carries inside the 5 than the number 8 draft pick in this past year's draft. I feel like that's embarrassing on Arthur Smith's part. You draft someone this high, and you're not using him. Unless there's an injury that they're not telling us about Bijan, it seems impossible. But then it would be the same thing for Drake London, and the same thing for Kyle Pitts, but then that's been for multiple years. The Falcons, this season, they have arguably the easiest schedule in the league. And they're wasting it because of bad QB play and QB management. When people thought Desmond Ritter should have been benched, Arthur Smith stuck with it and it led them to losing a game. Now they put in Heineke finally, but they've still lost. And also, Arthur Smith is not using the Falcons' best three offensive weapons. They were all taken inside the top 10 of their respective drafts in the past three seasons. Kyle Pitts, 4th overall in 2021. Drake London, 8th overall in 2022. And Bijan Robinson, 8th overall in 2023. These three players who were drafted so high, it wouldn't make sense if they were actually used in an offense. And because of where they were drafted, it would make sense that they could contribute to the offense not just be some players who Arthur Smith plays other players over who weren't drafted this high and who are on different contracts and players that are either out of their prime or just a whole bunch of things. It's weird and it doesn't make sense. And it's really puzzling that the Falcons still have him as their coach. The Raiders already, they fired Josh McDaniels along with a bunch of other personnel I'm hoping that the Falcons get the message and fire Arthur Smith. I don't think Arthur Smith's a good NFL coach. With how weak the NFC has been this season, the Falcons can easily still make the playoffs, but with Arthur Smith, there's going to be no chance they could even win a playoff game if they make it there. With another coach, there may be a little bit more of a possibility because you never know how actually using those three weapons can change an offense unless you're Arthur Smith because apparently he knows what's best and he knows to not use the highest drafted tight end of all time, one of the highest drafted running backs in the past decade, and an eighth overall pick who was a receiver. But other than that, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I'll be back next week for my week 10 recap of the NFL season.